0: But last week, in case you missed it, we talked about um, ugly words that we say. What we realized in in James is that our words are a lot like tools, right? They have weight behind them, and they can either build up or tear down. And what we realized is, is that no matter what, sometimes our words or our tongue and our mouth, what comes out of them, cannot be controlled. Right? It's a lot like a wildfire. And sometimes we say things that maybe we regret. And around Christmas time, we say things with tensions high. Um, and what we were challenged was this. What are we filling our hearts up with? Because what comes out of, what your heart is filled up is what comes out of your mouth, right? So what are we filling our hearts up with? And we were challenged that for every one negative thing that is said to say five positive things and watch the impact of those five uh, positive things and how it impacts our lives. I hope you did that uh, this week with maybe a family member or, or a coworker or whoever that may be. I hope you were challenged to say five good things, right? Five positive things about someone. This week, though, we're going to talk about ugly expectations, right? We have them. I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to challenge you to to, uh, participate with me in doing a few things. The first one is this. I want you to imagine that the year is 2018, Right? So I want you to go back 5 years and I want you to imagine the year is 2018. I want you to find a place that you were or or somewhere that you uh, something that happened in that year and I want you to just go there for a minute, right? I want you to just envision where you were, what you were doing and and as you do that, I want you to look at where you are now. I want you to see okay, from 2018 to where you are now. Where if I were to say, where do you see yourself, would you be there now? Right? If I were to ask you in 2018, where do you see yourself? Is that where you are now? Or has many of you, maybe your expectations are a little bit different, right? You're not quite where you were. You wouldn't imagined. maybe the loss of a loved one. You wouldn't imagine a transition in your job. You wouldn't imagined the different things that took place, right? Maybe for some of you, you're like, hey, it's been great, the best five years of my life, and that is awesome, and that is good, and praise be to God, right? But for some of us, this, this Christmas, right, and what Christmas is all about, our expectations can become ugly, right? They can fail at times. This reminded me of a show that is on Netflix called Nailed It. And if you've seen this show, then you know what I'm talking about. But I have a few examples uh, for us this morning. What it is, is it's a baking show. And they had these professional bakers. And uh, you can see that on one of them, it's supposed to look like this, right? It's supposed to look very decorative and, and, and very professional. And the idea is you'd bring someone like myself on the show and see if I could do it, right? To see if I can make a cake or a gingerbread like the one that the professional did. And majority of the time, it ended up looking something like this, right? And the show is called Nailed It because it's the furthest thing from it, right? The expectation was that, but the reality was this, right? We sometimes, like the show, our expectations are a lot like that. We expect something, we anticipate something, and yet it doesn't go any way that it was planned or, or the way that it was planned. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, verses 25 and 38 this morning. Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 38. I believe there's three people that help us when it comes to failed expectations. There's three people to look at this morning that really guides us for what we do when our expectations fail or plans don't go the way we thought they should. This is a part of the passage where, as you can see, Jesus has already been born, and and they're in the temple, and it goes like this in verse 25. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Verse 33. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and the sword will pierce your own soul too. I want you to mark that. Make note of it. He's telling her there that a sword will pierce your own soul too. There also... And prophet Anna in the tribe of Asher, she was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying, coming up to them at the very moment. She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. Now, think about the individuals that's in this passage, there's three of them, and think about where they are in life. All of them have experienced expectations that maybe didn't go the way they thought. Think of Simeon. He was first in this passage. We're going to talk about him over the next few moments. But here's here's what I know. Simeon had a rough life. Why? Because the Lord promised that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. Can you imagine? Like, hey, I cannot die until this takes place, until the Lord fulfills something in my life. I really believe that Simeon was old, right? He was old and he experienced many things in life. At this particular time, he had witnessed the sorrows of the people he loved. Right, The people that he cared about, the people that he cherished, he had listened, uh, witnessed their sorrows and, and their, their situations become more and more troublesome. And he looked out and he realized he could do nothing for them. Right? He could do nothing in his own power for the people that he loved. If you go to verse 25 and 26, it says this, In Jerusalem lived a man named Simeon. He was a good man and godly. He was waiting for the time when God would take away Israel's sorrow, and the Holy Spirit was in him. Simeon had been, had been told by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he saw the Christ's promise to the Lord. What was Simeon doing in that moment? as he witnessed and as he was experiencing a failed expectation, like it was just day after day after day. What was he doing? He was waiting, right? Simeon waits, but he doesn't just wait. He isn't just being still. He waits eagerly for God to do just what he said he would do, right? When our expectations get ugly, when they fail, when they don't go as planned, what if we eagerly waited? What if we were a church that continued to anticipate the things that God was doing? What if we waited for God to take what was a mess, what has become ugly, right? What has become something we didn't plan for and turn it into something beautiful? Last week, I challenged you with a few quotes growing up. You know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I don't know if you remember that. But this week, there's, there's another one I want to reference, and I got some lemons here, right? And what, is, what are we taught in life? If life gives you, make make lemonade, right? If life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Here's the, here's the facts, right? That's not all that true. I don't believe that's all that true, and this scripture tells us. I think there's times in life where you get a lemon. Who wants a lemon? Who's Who here wants a lemon? Mark wants a lemon. There you go. I think Dave wants a lemon. There we go. Who else wants a lemon? Denny, you want a lemon? Oh, uh, I don't know. Okay, all right. Sometimes life gives you lemons whether you want it or not, right? Whether you want it or not, it happens. Our expectations fail. That things don't go the way we planned. And I'm not so sure, maybe like Simeon, our job isn't to wait. It's not to prepare lemonade, but rather it is to squeeze the lemons and prepare them for what God wants to do. Our job isn't to make lemonade. Simeon looked out at his people in sorrow and looked out at his people and saw their troublesome. And he he knew that he could not create for them what they needed. Only God could. But what did he do? He waited. He prepared. He squeezed them. Right? He got them ready. He got them ready. And then he watched God work. He watched God do exactly what he said he would do. It's kind of like a few others in the Bible. Abraham and Isaac. Abraham prepared... Right, And what did God do? He made it sweet. The boy and two fish. The boy was ready and God fed the 5,000. Jesus didn't ask Simon Peter to catch the fish that he needed when he was fishing all night. He asked him to cast his net on the other side. See, he asked him to prepare. He didn't ask them to make lemonade. Their jobs were to prepare and watch God work. Simeon's job was not to fulfill God's promise. His job was to eagerly wait as God did just what he said he would do. Here's why. Our expectations may fail, but God doesn't. Our expectations may fail, but God doesn't. And when our expectations fail and life gives you lemons, prepare them. Prepare them, squeeze them, get them ready. But don't think that it's our job to create something out of them. No, allow God to work. Put your trust in God, right? It's not putting God to the test. It's trusting in him. And that takes us to the second person in this passage. It's a lot like Mary and the example she offers us this morning. And to be honest, if Simeon um, and Mary go together well in this story. They really do. They, go, they relate well with each other. I mean, if you think about it, I mentioned this during prayer. Mary just had a baby. And I don't know about you, but Jeff and I have been blessed with children and and we're experiencing right now the, the coming of another child. And but I, I don't think any parent ever, when you have a child or when you anticipate a child, I don't think any parent ever dreams that they are gonna scrape their knee. Right? Or they're gonna get hurt, or they're gonna experience troublesome. And yet Mary right now is experiencing Jesus being raised. And we know the whole picture. We know What happens at the end. And Mary is someone. Who experiences Jesus. Going to the cross for you and I. Dying on the cross for you and I. Fulfilling. What he had come to do. And we see in verse 33 and 35. What Simeon was saying. When he prophesied to her. Right? He uses three different images. He uses the stone, the sign, and the sword. The stone was God, the sign was a miracle, and the sword, the sword was for Mary alone. It represented the suffering and sorrow that Mary would bear as the mother of the Messiah. Could you imagine the expectations of Mary? Right? The sword is, is a symbol of the sorrow and suffering that she would bear being the mother of the Messiah. Here's what we know about Mary. If you go earlier to Luke chapter 2, and you've got to go with me a little bit. I'm going to bounce around for a minute. Luke chapter 2, it's the Christmas story. And in verse 19, it's it's one of the most noted verses of Mary. In verse 19, it says this, uh, As the people and the shepherds share in joy, they gather together. Verse 19 says, Mary treasured up all these things and continued to think about them. One commentary said, uh, said the, um, that it translates like this. Mary began to put things together. Mary is simply trying to better understand God's will. And then if you go to what I read earlier, Acts chapter 1, verse 14, that's the next time Mary is mentioned in the Bible outside of this passage. The next time she's mentioned in the Bible is Acts chapter 1, verse 14. We see her in the upper room praying. Because at this point in the Bible, Jesus has already been betrayed, and he's already ascended into heaven. Here's the point. If the first thing Simeon teaches us to do is eagerly wait, then Mary teaches us to trust in God while we're waiting. Right? Mary teaches us to trust in God. When our expectations fail, when things that we thought would happen don't work out, or when things don't go according to plan, can we be people that truly trust in God? That trust in God so much that we're drawn to our knees over our feet. God didn't ask me to create lemonade. He asked me to prepare. He asked me to surrender. He asked me to continue to trust in what he is doing. Why? Because my expectations may fail, but he doesn't. Right? God doesn't. I had to share Acts chapter 1 because when we look at Mary's whole life, her place in Luke's story, in Luke chapter 2, and Acts chapter 1, we see a mother that still has hope. It still has joy. It still has peace and love for what is ahead. We see a mother that is through it all, right, has been through it all, is still anticipating what is ahead. Which brings us to the third person in this story. If, if Simeon and Mary teach us to wait and to trust, then, then Anna teaches us to look ahead while we wait. In verse 36 and 37, it says she uh, was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then w- was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Even in verse 38, we see that she was excited. The moment that she had been waiting for was coming true. Verse 38, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. The whole time that Anna was praying and fasting, she never stopped anticipating what God was doing. She never stopped looking ahead to what was to come. Her anticipation never went away. It never faded. Why? Because she was excited about the possibility of the redemption of Jerusalem. What is redemption? The action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. It's the action of being saved or being saved from sin, error, or evil. When I said earlier, expectations may fail, but God doesn't. This is what I mean. This is exactly what I mean. Through Jesus and because of the act of being born and going to the cross, we although we have fallen short and although our expectations have failed, are invited to regain and gain possession of the fullness of God. Right? We've been invited, you and I, to gain access or regain access to the fullness of God. Now, there was a psychologist... His name was Martin Seligman uh, from the University of Pennsylvania, that in the 1960s, he did a study with some dogs. And I have a picture of these dogs. He, he did a study here where he put these dogs on one side. If you can see here, it says no shock. And then on the other side, it would shock them. So as the dogs would jump over to the other side of the box, they would get shocked, which what would they do? They would then jump over because they don't want shocked, right? And so he, what he found was this idea of learned helplessness. What is learned helplessness? It's a condition in which a person has a sense of powerlessness arising from a traumatic event or persistent failure to succeed. Right? It's, it's where we've learned because of we've failed or because our expectations have failed or because things haven't gone wrong. We've just learned this idea of learned helplessness. It is thought to be one of the underlying causes of depression. Because like the dogs, we say, hey, I can't go over there. I'm stuck. And I love this imagery for us today. Because God and what Anna, what Mary, what Simeon was all anticipating, what they were waiting for was the redemption of Jerusalem to take place. They said, look, our situations and our expectations, they they sometimes didn't, that you're in a helpless state. The world wants you to think that there's no other option. The world wants you to think there's no other way. It wants you to continue to feel that way. But God doesn't. God doesn't. And that's why he sent Jesus to be born for you and I. What if Christmas we anticipated Jesus and all that he is? We embrace the purpose of Jesus coming that all all may truly have redemption. We all have expectations that have failed, but God doesn't. And he offers you and I something different. I really believe that if we learned anything about failed expectations, it may be that we need to squeeze lemons, but allow God to work. Listen, God isn't asking you. He's just saying, prepare, squeeze them, get ready and watch him work that as we look ahead in anticipation, we also look ahead in faith, knowing God is a God who doesn't fail.